Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. This is an intentional community of Catholic leaders, um, and it's a space about Catholic leadership, but not for the parish or the diocese. This is Catholic leadership for the world. Stay with us and allow us to share with you a vision handed to us by the Second Vatican Council to help advance the mission of the church. It all boils down to one idea, engaging society as civic leaders. My name is Erin Monin, and I am one of your two hosts. My co-host, Christopher Pereira, is usually in the room with me, but he's actually at a conference, a Catholic conference in Napa, California this week, and he's speaking at it. So he will not be joining us today, so you will have uh, me only leading the conversation, but I'm really excited because we're actually continuing a conversation that we began last week in this room. So before we get into that, um, if you could take the time now to ping five people, five Catholic professionals that you know and follow in Clubhouse. When you do this, not only will they be invited to join the room, but their friends will be notified and attracted to the room as well. So I invite all of you to, if you already haven't um, done so, just take some time now to invite your friends. That would be awesome. We love having lots of people in the room for obvious reasons, but it really does enhance our conversation when we have a lot of um, people who want to share and inspire and ask questions and all of those good things. So, um, and especially today, it's since it's only me hosting, um, the more the merrier. So (laughs) thank you, uh, in advance for inviting your friends. So like I said, um, last we're continuing a conversation from last week, which was about work-life balance and God. And it was a really good conversation. So this is not like, oh, we didn't really like talk about what we wanted to. So we're, um, doing it again. It's actually the opposite. It was so good. And we had such strong engagement that I feel like we could have kept going for another hour. So that's what today is for. Um, I, it was almost as if we had to kind of stop the room short because we, we only do, we keep this room to only one hour, um, to respect everyone's time and our own. So, uh, we didn't want it to go over, but we, really wanted to continue that conversation um, because there was such great things shared. There was such good engagement. There were um, lots of resources and conversations happening with other people, like between people on the stage. And it was just, it was really great. So um, we'd love to continue that and dive in even a little deeper. So last week's kind of overall um, uh, like, summary of the room, if you will, was talking about if we're, if we're to serve God to the best of our capacities as leaders, we must have a work-life balance and God. So we talked a lot about what it takes to attain a balance of priorities in life. Um, so first of all, we identified what those priorities are, which we talked about um, being God, family, and work. And then from there, we discussed all sorts of things (laughs) about how we personally attain or attain balance within our lives um, and holding those three things as priority. Um, There was some discussion about leisure and what does that look like. There was discussion about boundaries. Um, Christopher shared an awesome book um, that I can share again this week. Um, And he talked about um, 
how that can kind of help us navigate this topic even uh, further. And it was just, it was a really great discussion. So what I think we didn't quite talk about as much as I had hoped was more so like the practicals of how do we actually prioritize God? How do we actually prioritize family? How do we actually prioritize work? But doing so in a way that glorifies God and his kingdom and so that he is the center of our life and the center of our work-life balance. So I think that was that's kind of where we're going to take the conversation more so today. Um, but I think it's going to be great for all of you to share how you do that in your own lives as well as um, some practicals that um, we'll be talking through about if you don't do that as well as you would like to, um, what can you do today to start small and kind of go from there? So today's discussion is more about how is God, um, and, and in that uh, even further, like our relationship with him, the things we do for him to glorify his kingdom and our time with and for him part of our work-life balance. And that looks a lot of different ways to a lot of different people because there are so many ways to live out our faith and live out our relationship with our Lord. But how do we really prioritize that when we have all of these other things going on in our lives, which are probably all good things, but we're all very busy people. And it's important that we prioritize and then also have that balance of, um, God in our lives and being able to healthily uh, fulfill all of the other things that he is calling us to. So that is more uh, what our discussion will be about today. And I'm really excited to uh, dive a little bit deeper into that. As always, um, if you have something to say or a question to ask, or you just want to hop on stage and engage in more conversation about something that was mentioned, please raise your hand and uh, come up on stage to speak. I'll let you in. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to discuss this with you all today. So anyways, um, at any time you can do that too. If you want to interrupt me and come to the stage, please do. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to start us off with, um, some foundational things and then we can just take the conversation from there. So, um, I wanted to, share a few things that I read from a Forbes article, actually. Um, this was just an article about what are six tips for better work-life balance. And obviously, while it doesn't have anything to do with the faith, um, I found that these six things were actually very easy to incorporate the faith into. And so it, it stands as a good foundation for our discussion, I think. So the first tip that they offer is let go of perfectionism. And we talked a lot about what the definition of perfect is in the past two weeks, actually. Um, and last week, Christopher just like re-summarized it for us, saying that from our perspective as, as Catholics, um, doing the best that you can is actually the definition of perfect because we can't really be perfect. Um, no one can, only God um, is perfect. But our human perfection is doing the best that we can. So in talking about this 
um, first tip for (laughs) having work-life balance, instead of what they say is let go of perfectionism, of course, they're referring to what the world defines as perfectionism. Um, I'd like to kind of counteract that with just strive for the perfection that the Lord calls us to, which is doing the best that you can. I am in a very, (laughs) I'm in a season that is like heavily, um, involving that particular topic right now. Um, so I relate a lot to this, um, you know, just doing the best that we can with the time and the resources and the energy and all of the things that we have been given by God. That is, that is the kind of perfect that he calls us to. And that's all that he asks of us. So, um, instead of letting go of the kind of perfectionism that the world, um, talks about rather, Uh, striving for that perfectionism that God calls us to. The second tip that they give, which I think is great, is unplug. (laughs) This is another thing that I think we can all relate to, um, especially with our, you know, this constant need to feel connected to people. And then, of course, that was heightened in this past year when almost everything went virtual uh, for at least a time, a period of time. And you know, that almost invited us even more so to be more plugged in than we already were without a pandemic and without everything being virtual. And I think this this idea of unplugging is so beneficial for so many reasons. But in our discussion about work-life balance, you truly can't be present in the moment if you're constantly worrying about all of the notifications pouring into your phone every day. And that's text messages, emails, clubhouse notifications, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, you have a notification for it. And I think there's a lot to be said for taking some time out of every day to not turn off your notifications or turn your phone off and put it, I mean, excuse me, uh, put your phone to sleep and put it away, like actually power off your device. Like how many of you actually do that? I know I never did that until this year when I realized I had to for my own like mental health. <laughs> Cause I was like, I had every good intention. You know, we, we want to, we truly do want to be present. I really believe that we have that desire as humans to be present, but we aren't because we have all these distractions. And so I started actually turning off my phone. So that means nothing was coming through. My phone is hooked up to my computer. Um, and I I think the computer turns the, it off. Like the notifications don't come through your computer when your phone's turned off. So it's very freeing. So unplugging is huge. And I think it is so important for attaining this work-life balance, especially when we're unplugging for a certain purpose or a certain reason. I'm going to turn off my phone so I have zero distractions while I spend time with my family. I'm going to turn off my phone so I have zero distractions while I spend time in mass or in adoration or in prayer. I'm going to turn off my phone for X, Y, Z. There's power and freedom in that. So I think that was a great um, tip that they give in this article. The third is exercise and meditate. I'm not going to go into meditating. Um, There's a lot of controversy about that. We can talk about meditation in the form of prayer, of course. But um, 
exercising is a really big thing, of course, for many of us who like to do that to clear our heads or get the day started or um, just have a positive effect on our brain. I think someone, yeah, someone, I think Belinda last week, she shared that exercise is as good for your brain as it is for your body. Um, 100% agree with that. So um, we can include that into our work-life balance just to boost our brains and our brain health. Um, It's very important, obviously. And then meditation, as Catholics, we can talk about that in the form of meditating in prayer, um, of course. So another great tip. Um, The fourth one that they share is change the structure of your life. And I think that we'll talk about that more as we get into this discussion today. And that's kind of already what we were talking about last week. But how can you schedule your life um, to be living a life that is in balance for you? Um, It's all about priorities, of course, but it's also about scheduling that time. Um, Christopher and I talk about this a lot in this room. If you're not writing it in your calendar, is it happening? Um, So that's something that we can really uh, talk about more if you guys want to today, but changing the structure of your life so that you actually can achieve balance. Um, we, Like I said before, we all have very good intentions about a lot of different things in our lives, but if we're not, um, well, some of us think differently. I know I have to write things down or they don't happen. That's not how everyone is. Um, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's a physical, actual planner in front of you that you write in pencil or pen in, if it's your calendar on your phone, if it's a calendar through your email, whatever it is, make sure you're structuring your life in a way that you can actually attain that balance or have a chance of attaining that balance. Um, I'll go into this more later, but schedule breaks, schedule time where you turn your phone off, schedule your prayer. Um, It seems silly, but if you actually put it in your calendar, that heightens at least the chance of it happening. So um, that's a really good tip. And then the sixth one and the last one that they share in this article is start small and build from there. I think Christopher or one of the people on on the stage last week talked about this very briefly, Um, but This is huge. When we're talking about um, attaining work-life balance, we we have to start small. I know I have failed at this um, particular thing multiple times in my life. I'm like, okay, I need to make major changes. And so I make major changes right away. And guess how long it lasts? Like maybe a week? And then I go back to doing what whatever I was doing before I made those quote unquote major changes. So starting small is huge. Um, whether it's, okay, I need to incorporate prayer into my life um, because it doesn't even exist, or I need to incorporate more prayer into my life. So start with 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, just start there. Don't on the opposite side, some people, myself included, I will, I am admitting to this that I have literally done these things before, um, will say, oh, I need to do this thing because I'm not doing it at all or I feel like I'm not doing enough of it. And then so they say, okay, five days a week for one to two hours, I am going to do this thing. 
And that may be great and last for that week, but can you really keep that up for the rest of however the time you, you wanted to do it? Um, weeks and months and years ahead? Probably not. Um, because we're human. We, we need to take things one step at a time, usually. That's how it works. So um, starting small and building from there is an excellent um, piece of advice for all of us in any aspect of life, whether we're talking about um, our faith lives or our work lives or family or whatever. Um, start small and then just build up from there um, because the opposite can often lead to um not being successful in that area. <laughs> so anyways, I just wanted to share those tips from this article because I think it gives us a really good foundation for um, some of these ideas of work-life balance. Um, and they were general enough that I think we can incorporate our faith life very easily into all of them. So um what does this practically look like? And again, anyone can come on stage and share. I might invite some of you up just to uh, pick your brain and um, have a conversation. But what does this practically look like um, to have God as part of our work-life balance and have him at the center, uh, quite honestly, of everything that we do? Um, like I said earlier, different for a lot of different people. Um, I can share some of the things that I do. Um, I can share some just general ideas. JP is on the stage, so I'm going to let you speak. Go ahead, JP. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Thanks for inviting me up. Um, great topic. I'm sorry I missed last week. I, I feel like I, I might not do the conversation justice because I don't know what was said last week. But I think um, a lot of the stuff that you said was very valid and that you can spiritualize a lot of it. I think the fundamental thing uh, that Monsignor James Shea, who teaches at, who's the president at um, University of Mary, uh, he's he says that sort of for us to understand what uh, this balance looks like, we have to understand like what work is to us, right? And so like if we understand it as sort of like the source of sanctification for us and, and a calling that's different than understanding it as, as simply like a means to get money so that we can buy stuff. And, and then we can really define what our rest is. Right. And so then we're, we're able to sort of create those boundaries. We're able to turn off because if we know that work is supposed to sanctify us the way that even our family life sanctifies us, I'm done speaking. <laughs> JP, that's awesome. That's very, very awesome. And Aaron, thank you for inviting inviting me to be a part of this. Just as you were talking about that, um, uh, the first thing that came into my mind is like, I definitely have these challenges in terms of my prayer life, right? Like it's so easy for me, especially as I'm doing my, my work or my business, and I get so focused on providing for my family, making sure that things work. I can't tell you the amount of times where I've just like rolled out of bed and haven't even started, started the day with prayer and immediately just start hitting it and grinding and doing the work. And there's this disconnect that continues to happen. Right. And I, and, and I can literally feel it like the moment that I have sort of turned away from that. And, and for me, one of the things that I have discovered is I have to break it down at 
times into the smallest little increments. Um, you know, I mean, obviously sin is just turning away from God, right? It's like actively just going, no, I'm going to go do my own thing. There have literally been times where I've had to like set a three minute timer on my watch to go, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to just shut up for a moment and just be quiet and let God talk to me for a minute so I can figure out what he wants me to. And sometimes I'm super successful with it. <laughs> Even as you were talking about like laying out how you're going to do it throughout the course of the week, uh, you know, I was successful with one, one day for three minutes. And then the next day lasted a full minute and 22 seconds before one of my sons disturbed me. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely a practice and you can tell if you're incorporating it into what you are doing and just really finding those moments to just kind of pause and to go, God, I'm out of sorts here. I need to just be quiet for a second and just, and I need you to invite you in, you know, praying and inviting you to every single aspect that I can solve. So those are just some thoughts I wanted to share on what you were saying. Thank you so much, Kevin. And thank you to JP for uh, sharing as well. Um, yeah, all good things. And Kevin, yeah, I love that your little example of um, like setting a three minute timer or however long of a timer to just literally stop what you're doing and either be silent or pray or whatever that is. Um, that's powerful. And it may not seem like it, um, as you are thinking about, you, you know, how your day-to-day life goes, but I love that. I think that's so powerful and that's so important. Um, that is like the <laughs> best definition of starting small that I can think of. So I love that example. <laughs> well, even, yeah. even as you were saying that too, Aaron, like I think about, you know, Thomas Burton, when he was doing his, his, uh, his stuff, he would, you know, incorporate his prayer into his work life, but it's a fine balance that we have, right? It's a fine balance between going, am I letting the work overwhelm me or am I really taking a moment saying, hey, God, I have to invite you into this right now. I'm having some difficulty and breaking it down just into those micro moments, you know. So thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that. Um, it's it's micro moments. I love that. Um, that's so true. Because really, if we sometimes it is overwhelming to think about like how many minutes or how many hours are in a day that we actually have to are like to do what we need to do. And when we break it down into smaller chunks, like it's way easier to, um, to approach each of those moments or those micro moments as you shared, Kevin. So yeah, no, that is, that's so great. And thank you for sharing all that. It's super powerful stuff. And honestly, I probably need to take a page out of your book and start doing something like that because I've found myself recently in this like kind of very similar routine, honestly, where I roll out of bed and I kind of just start doing what I need to or want to or have a desire to to get done, um, that day. Um, and often prayer is not the first thing, which is crazy because that's like Catholic 101. (laughs) You just, you start whatever you're doing in prayer. So anyways, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause actually that, that is so powerful. And I love that, um, that word micro moments. That's like, yeah, that's good stuff. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, 
I invited Claire to the stage, but she's unable to unmute herself because she's babysitting. But she messaged me a bunch of stuff that I think is worth sharing. So I'm just going to read what she shared, um, how she lives this out in her own life. Um, So she said that routine helps with structuring her prayer life and just adding something small, as we've been talking about. Something recently that she's been doing is the litany of trust before bed, Um, which, Claire, that is such an awesome prayer. I actually went like a year of my life doing the same thing. I Actually, I think I did it in the morning. But anyways, praying that litany of trust every day. Super, super powerful. Um, she said that, uh, she's found that if she doesn't put God first and foremost in her life, um, anxiety increases and, uh, she possibly falls more into temptations because she's further away from God in that moment. Um, also she talked about simplifying, um, even the phone screen. So not like turning off the phone, but literally what is on your phone screen when you look at it, how many apps do you have? Things like that. So she said that, Um, to hide the apps that are not needed, delete them too. Um, It makes it much easier to avoid apps like Facebook or, you know, other social media apps when they're not even there. (laughs) Um, Scheduling in the Angelus or the Chaplet of Divine Mercy is really awesome. Um, Those are two like very short prayers that can be very easily said throughout the day. So Claire, I'm really glad that you brought those up. Um, The Angelus is is, um, to be prayed at noon every day and the Divine Mercy Chaplet is uh, prayed at 3 p.m. Of course, you're not going to be like, like God doesn't care what time you pray those prayers, but that's just kind of um, traditionally when they are prayed. So if you have time at 12 p.m. and or 3 p.m. each day, those are a couple prayers that you can um, pray. The Angelus, I think, is like maybe a three to five minute prayer and the Divine Mercy Chaplet's like a seven minute prayer. So very short, very doable, very powerful. Um, and then, Claire, you also mentioned uh, a, a quick prayer you say to St. Joseph. St. Joseph, help me out. I love that. It can be very simple, you guys. That's a prayer. That that one sentence is a prayer. Um, another thing she does is scripture and coffee in the morning. Um you could, she said, you can go even so far as to talk to your bosses and tell them that you're scheduling in daily mass. So block off that time and let it be a priority if the boss allows for flexible time. Um, wow, Claire, thank you for sharing all of that. Even though you weren't on stage, you uh, <laughs> shared a lot of really powerful things. Those were that, outstanding, um, man. All of those yeah. were outstanding. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, Aaron? Have you ever have you ever tried even speaking about what Claire was talking about? Have you ever tried to do some version of like a phone fast? Especially she's talking about like turning off the apps. And I mean, I I try to do a thing on Sunday specifically where my phone is physically off for like most of the day. Yeah. Um. I I've done that sometimes. I I know people whose entire families. Um do that actually where they like have Sundays be their day of literally no electronics. Um, so yeah, no, it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. Go ahead, JP. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that we try to do not as much lately, but, um, we just having, um, a phone zone in the house. So the phone stays on the counter and, uh, if you need to use the phone, you stay near the counter. Uh, if if you need to make a call, 
um, you need to check Instagram. So you're just standing anytime you use the phone. And anytime you're not using the phone, it's everywhere else in the house. So uh, if you sort of designate an area in your house to use your phone, then you're not likely to take it around with you and just be on it. And I think that's helped me disconnect at home. That's awesome. That's a really great idea, JP. Thanks for sharing that. Um, A phone zone. What a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I think that also can help like JP mentioned, I think we lost him, but, um, Oh, he's back. Um, he mentioned like, yeah, if you're using your phone in that space, you're like standing and using it. So I think that's really powerful too, because phones are meant like for convenience. I mean, like the cell phone, because we can literally carry it around with us, have it in our pocket, have it in our purse, in our backpack, on our person, like whenever we want, wherever we want. So, um, having this idea of like, no, if I need to use the phone, I have to go into this room, into this space. I have to stand here and use it. Um, I mean, let's think about it. That's how it used to be, right? That's <laughs> exactly what I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, wait, I mean, like, we're so spoiled in our current uh, modern day and age with all of this, like, fancy small technology that we can just like carry everywhere with us and it we don't even think twice about it but like that's how it used to be like if you were going to use the phone you had to like walk downstairs and stand in the kitchen and have a conversation and um you know we've lost like that extra effort or that extra like it's not even a come on it's like not even something special anymore it's like we just take everything on our phones for granted because there are many computers. So I digress, but thank you JP for sharing that because that's, that's actually a really great um, idea. (laughs) I think, I think JP has inspired me to go back and get an analog dial up rotary phone. So we can just install that uh, in the house. So (laughs) let me know if you can find one. (laughs) I know. Do most people on this call know what that is? I don't know, but anyway, thank you. I love it. No, that's great. Hey, that's what we're here to do. Inspire each other. Um, It's already uh, 930, which means we're halfway done. So I'm just going to reset the room. Um, For those of you who have joined us at any time since we started, um, we are talking about work-life balance and God. We're continuing a conversation that we started from last week. And it's... uh, it was, it just went so well. There was such high engagement. I think this is a really hot topic um, and an important one that we, especially as Catholics, uh, should be talking about because God is certainly part of our work-life balance. Well, he's not the part of it. He should be the center of it. But <laughs> um, so we are continuing that conversation from last week. If you weren't here last week, don't worry about it. You can totally be part of this conversation and not have to know anything we discussed last week. We're basically just talking about how can we um, prioritize God, uh, such as our relationship with him, the things we do for him, and our time with and for him. Um as part of our work-life balance. What does that practically look like? And how can we make it a priority if it already isn't? So we've had a lot of good discussion so far today. Uh, We've talked a lot about technology and breaking things down throughout the day into smaller bites. Um, Starting small. What are the small, short things that we, powerful things that we can do 
um, throughout the day that make an impact in our spiritual lives and still help us prioritize God, but that don't take like so much time away from our day because obviously God also calls us to work and have jobs and take care of families and other things as well. So how can we, um, practically do this? So, um, I'm just going to share a couple of things and then Lisa, I'll invite you to speak. So, um, we've talked a lot about, well, I just summarized, so I won't even I don't need to repeat myself, but some of the things that I wanted to mention that are just like general ideas, um, how, like of how to incorporate God more into our lives and still maintain that work-life balance. Um, we talked a lot about prayer. So of course, prayer, um, adoration. I know, um, a lot of us in this room probably go to adoration on a weekly or monthly or however uh, frequently basis. Um, but scheduling in even just one hour of adoration a week is so powerful. Um, my husband and I do that um, every Wednesday. We go at very late hours of the night, but <laughs> we're there for one hour a week. And it's so beautiful and so powerful. And it's just one hour. And out of the whole week, <laughs> um, and that's a great thing to get on your calendar. Just call your um, parish that you're a part of and uh, get your name on the adoration schedule. And that way you have a time slot with God no matter what every week. So there's another idea. Obviously, Mass. Of course, as Catholics, we are asked to, um, not asked, we are required to attend Mass on Sundays as part of our obligation. Um, but when can you go to daily mass? Daily mass is much shorter. It's usually about 30 minutes, sometimes shorter, sometimes about 45, but how, where can you schedule in mass? Maybe just once throughout the rest of the week. If you have more time in your schedule, when can you go more? Confession. How often do you want to be going? Can you schedule that in? Um, my parish offers it once a week. Um, my goal has always been to go once a week. I am still working up to that, but scheduling it in is powerful. Again, I write it in my planner when I plan to go and it happens. Um, some other ideas uh, that are a little bit more general, not so specific, are um, Bible study. Are you a part of a Bible study? Do you lead a Bible study? Do you want to do one of those things? Um, make it happen. Schedule it in. Bible studies don't have to be three hours long. They can be one hour a week. Um, I lead a Bible study that is one hour a week, and it's beautiful, and it's a community, and it's uh, very powerful for my own spiritual life. Even though I'm the leader, I don't even feel like I'm leading sometimes. <laughs> um, find ways to serve God that are small or big, um, depending on what you uh, what your hobbies are, what you like to do, what your passions are, or is that does that just look like serving him in your home, um, serving his people? What does that look like for you? Um, schedule it in, uh, and then of course, probably should have shared this sooner in the list. But last but not least, is taking care of ourselves. How can you take care of you so that you can? love others. You know, God is pouring into you. You need to pour into you so that you can pour into others. Schedule in that time. Schedule in something you enjoy. What do you love to do? I love to write. I need to schedule that in or it doesn't often happen. Um, 
do things that take care of you as well. It's not selfish. It's actually selfless. So those are just some ideas. I know that was a lot. We're talking about work-life balance. I'm not telling you to go add those eight things to your schedule right now. (laughs) They're just ideas um, for starting somewhere if you don't know where to start. Lisa, you joined the stage a few minutes ago. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. Hi, thank you. So um, uh, to get myself going in the morning, I have a few vocal prayers that are very important to me that I practice. So I just, well, first of all, let me say, I, through practicing the examen, I realized that, you know, you get all these notifications on your phone. And if I start looking at those, before I pray, I get really, really frazzled. So I decided I'm not going to look at my email. I'm not going to look at any of my notifications until after I pray. So as I'm going about getting ready for the day, I'm saying, um, you know, like the consecration to the sacred heart, my miraculous medal prayer, um, consecration to St. Joseph, in those prayers as I'm going about getting ready. And then um, if you go on YouTube, there are um, like 15 minute long rosaries that you can just play um, in your car on your commute. Now, I know you're not actually touching the beads, but I don't think that God cares. So (laughs) you're still saying the rosary um, and you can say it in your car on the way to work. And um, I just found that that's a really good way to get the rosary in in the morning um, before you go to work. And it's a great way to start your day. And then you can go and go to work and you've gotten your prayer in And you can start your day and you don't feel frazzled. So that's what I do. And that's how I manage um, prayer in the morning without uh, feeling overwhelmed and without feeling like, um, you know, I have to get up two hours early or something like that. Um, So uh, those are just some things that I've done. Thank you. I'm done speaking. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing that. Um, That is really powerful stuff, too, because um, I'll be the first to admit, like, yeah, when I wake up in the morning, unfortunately, trying to change this, but my alarm is on my phone because I don't have an alarm clock that I use. And what's the first thing that I do when I turn off the alarm that's going off on my phone? I look at my notifications that came through during the night while I was sleeping And I love that you don't do that, Lisa. (laughs) You don't look at your notifications or your emails until you've prayed and started your day that way. Um, It was a hard habit to break. It really was. (laughs) I can imagine because I I am needing to and wanting to and desiring to break that same habit. And so good for you. More power to you. Um, I'm very inspired by you sharing that um, to really make steps and efforts to do that in my own life because um, there was a time in my life where I didn't do that and it was very good. Um, 
and then listening to the rosary in your car on the way to work. I also did that for a very long time in my life. Um, and how beautiful and powerful that is too. Like, like you said, I mean, obviously the best of the best situation is to be holding a rosary and praying with the beads, but like at the end, like God really doesn't care. He just wants you to be praying the prayers. So if you have to be listening to it through, through audio on in the car, so be it. You're still praying that rosary. And that is so powerful. Um, so thank you for sharing that both of those, cause those are like really, <laughs> really powerful, practical things that all of us could very easily do if we have a desire to take some small steps. So, um, I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, with our remaining time, I wanted to shift the conversation to towards a, a couple things I mentioned earlier, um, this is a great discussion, by the way. So thank you all for all of you who have come to Sage and for all of you who are listening, because this is, um, I, I just think this has been great. Um, so one of the things that was brought up and that we did not get a chance to dive into more last week was leisure and boundaries. And, you know, at first glance, we look at those things and we're like, okay, well, I get that that has to do with work-life balance, but I also, like, don't get it. So I wanted to just dive into those um, a little bit further um, to foster a little bit more conversation around those because they are really important and powerful things, um, especially as Catholics when we're talking about work-life balance because um, God does not ask us to work 24-7. He asks us to rest and he asks us to engage in leisure. Um, and also, he doesn't ask us to be at everyone's beck and call all hours of the day and night. Um, he does not ask us to do either of those things. So leisure and boundaries are so important. Kevin, do you have something to say? Oh my gosh. I mean, this is really pinging on me majorly. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a practice that I've had to work on continually. Um, outside of this, obviously not giving away anonymity or whatever, but I work with recovery groups and work with recovery guys. And, and, you know, it's, it's a fine balance that we have, right. That as, uh, also as Catholics, right. You feel like you have this call to serve. And I think that we get this very mixed up a lot in our Christian lives, especially when it comes to those to those healthy boundaries that we need. And there's a little bit of a crossover that happens with the leisure part of it as well. There used to be a period of time, and this is me fully admitting it here, which is like I deal with, you know, people pleasing issues and wanting people to like me and all of that stuff. But to really discover those hard boundaries to go, hold on, up until this point – and then I have to say no for two reasons. Number one is that those boundaries get so blurred to the point that, you know, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine. You might have met somebody and get into a conversation. And sometimes you're having a conversation with somebody that just wants to continue to talk. And as much as you might try to signal, hey, I've got to get out of here or leave, they're in a different place and they won't listen. The problem is, is that it compromises on the other end with my family or my wife. And I realized, wait a minute, I've got this ministry at home that I have to be serving first. And the other thing that happens with it is that it can also start to cause these resentments that start to build up. And it's almost like God is saying, hey, I don't want you serving 
that way. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to end up being frustrated or being resentful towards this, I'm good. I don't need you doing it. But the other thing that I've had to realize over the course with the boundaries is to realize I'm not their savior. Jesus Christ is their savior, right? Like, like what they're going to get through the church, what they're going to get from Christ, that's going to ultimately save them. And then, and, and then just briefly to touch on this, again, going back to the phone fasting I was talking about, one of those things I have to do actively with the phone fasting is to go, how am I filling my time and learning how to refresh and replenish again, right? What are like, what are like lighthearted fiction books that I can pick up? Or even doing something like a, you know, like a little Sudoku thing or playing music again or something like that, getting into imaginative play that kind of refreshes us in a way to go, oh, that's right. We're able to have a little bit of fun and to laugh. So just a few ideas that came up just as you were saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, that is so, all of those things are just like so helpful for all of us to hear as part of this conversation. Um, especially I love that you talked about, um, I am not their savior. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we all have probably had to learn that the hard way at some point. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good hard lesson to learn. And it's also very powerful and empowering and freeing when you can not say that maybe, but some in other words or in, in, or in actions or whatever, share those, that sentiment with the person who you feel is impeding or intruding on your life or your time. So thank you for sharing that, Kevin, because that is something that we all learn at some point that's very hard, but that we need to be reminded of. Um, something I'll let you speak in a minute, Belinda, but I just wanted to couple, share a couple things um, on these topics because they were talked about last week and there were a couple things I really want to mention. So when we're talking about leisure, I don't know if any of you have um, heard of the phrase holy leisure. But this was something that I had never heard about until I was um, working as a missionary for the Fellowship of Catholic University students a few years ago. And they talked about this idea of holy leisure, and it was during our training. So I was like, oh, okay, this is like probably pretty important, but I have no idea what this is. Um, I know what leisure is, but not holy leisure. And they shared a definition from St. Benedict um, with us that is... Um, it just like blows everything else out of the water and it really helps refocus like what are we actually doing to um, to engage in rest, to engage in leisure, to engage in the type of leisure and rest that the Lord calls us to specifically. So um, St. Benedict said, holy leisure, I don't think he said call it holy leisure at the time, but um, for our purposes today, holy leisure is time meant to be spent each day in relaxing and dwelling on the good, a way of refreshment and regrouping. So Kevin, you hit the, no the nail on the head with your use of refreshment and regrouping, um, but I love that first part too. Time meant to be spent each day in relaxing and dwelling on the good. Um, that is that is like profound. <laughs> if you just like think about it for a minute, the way we spend our time is important. And we all know that because we're here having this conversation, but 
to think of it that way, like how, how many things do you do throughout the day that you're like, I am truly dwelling on the good. Like, and maybe it is a lot and maybe it's everything and good for you. That's beautiful. Um, but like, think about that. I'm going to, I'll share that definition in the, in the telegram group too. So you all have it in writing, but like, that's what leisure is. That's the kind of leisure, holy leisure that we are called to. Um, and then just a quick note on boundaries. Um, Kevin, you gave a great introduction to this topic. Um, but yeah, this is another thing that I've had to learn for over a very long period of time of my life about setting boundaries with specifically people, but also like my time and like how I use it. Um, there are a lot of things that we can waste our time on. There are a lot of people that we can waste our time on that will literally suck the life out of us. So when we're talking yeah. about boundaries, boundaries are like, yeah, Kevin, I know. Like, oh, it's so guys. true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> energy vampires. Energy vampires. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. But like when we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about how can I replace this thing or, I mean, this person, that's not how I want to say that, but like, how can I replace the time I spend doing these things or the time I spend pouring into this person? How can I replace that instead with God or with taking care of and loving myself? How can I replace it with time with my spouse, with my kids, with a faith-filled community and faith-filled friends? You know, we need to ask Two, we need to ask the Lord how he wants us to spend our time. I know I am a control freak, which is one of my many flaws. And how often I forget that God is in charge of our time. It's not us. Like we like to think that we're in control of our time and our schedule, but we're not. It's God. Like, so, and I'm saying this to myself, like, too, Let's spend more time asking God how he wants us to spend our time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so good. I mean, even as you, even as yeah. you're saying that, Aaron, it's like how many times we pass over the concept of joy that God has joy for us, that he wants that as a part of our life. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That was just something that sparked for me, but it is, it's like, God, it's all yours. And also I know that you want to infuse this joy into my life as a part of this too. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. How often do we pass over the concept of joy? Yes. So without further ado, Belinda, I will give you the mic. We only have about four to five minutes before I need to close up, just so you know, but the floor. Hey, I apologize for that. I was not aware that my microphone was unmuted and I was calling to my daughter. So please forgive me. Didn't mean to put any rush on anybody. Um, I was relating a lot to that word refreshment, um, whenever Kevin said it the first time. And um, a lot of what I've come to understand as I'm working through my therapeutic lifestyle changes and trying to put all my life in balance, I I told y'all last week, that's what my my life's work is right now with um, other people and trying to help them get their lives in order through the book that I wrote, My Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes creating a comprehensive plan for a calm ordered life. And anyways, I'm not trying to have a commercial. I'm trying to say this is my 
passion. This is what I'm doing with my students at Lone Star. This is what I'm doing with my family. This is what I'm doing with myself. And part of what I've understood is that I can't do something if I don't have it available to me. So um, I'm right now, if I want to sit down and relax and uh, I want to, I like to color. That sounds kind of weird, I'm sure, but I love to color. It's very therapeutic. It's very relaxing for me. So instead of having to go look for a color book every time I sit in my chair, I got a basket. I put one of my color books that I had from my children when they were growing, you know, when they were growing and and they didn't use it. I put it there with some colored pencils and I've got it next to me whenever we sit down to watch a family movie. There's my creative time. I'm coloring. When I'm in the car or I'm walking, I might work on my singing and I'm singing, you know, while I'm going places or whatever. If you uh, have a version of the Chaplet of Divine Mercy that, you know, the one that is so beautiful where they're singing it, that's beautiful too. sing with it. And you're meeting both your TLCs of prayer and creativity because you're singing. It's like there's all kind of ways to do it. And, and if we try to make it those little steps that you were talking about earlier, a little thing, put that right by your chair. Or I was listening to this guy who wrote a book, Atomic Something. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not remembering it right now to try to tell it to y'all, but he's uh, he's a public speaker that's written a book and part of Lone Store and my uh, continuing professional development. I'm listening to certain things or watching things. And what he said was, if you want to learn how to play a guitar in order to relax and be creative or whatever, well, then stick it in the middle of your front room. Like, don't put it in the closet. You're never going to play it because it's not there. A lot of our bad habits that we do, a lot of our time wasters and a lot of our, I love that word, Kevin, the energy vampires, they're because the things are right there. So like you're talking about on the screen, the screens on your phone, the apps on your phone, take them off the front screen. Anything you can do to reduce any visual clutter and put only what you want in your in your rooms where you are those things, then you will see them. So this guy was saying how he really wanted to eat more apples or or fruits, but he would always go to what was out, which was the things he shouldn't have. Right. So he's, you know, he got rid of those things or he stuck them in the pantry or whatever. And he put the apples right in the middle of the cabinet, you know, in a basket. Well, then he eats them all the time now because he sees them. And it's like, I was trying to get more hydration for myself. And I just couldn't understand how many glasses of water I was drinking And I was on a website for my insurance that's talking about how you need at least eight ounces for every, I don't know how it is, but anyway, for every 10 pounds or something like that. So I put eight ounces into a thing and it fills up one of those small pitchers. And now if I just fill that pitcher up every day, I know how far I am at the end of the day for my hydration because I've got, what, two inches left in in the thing. Like I'm trying to, for myself, streamline everything I can to where it's easier for me to just do all the different areas of my life that take care of myself, that build, build those things. And the other thing I wanted to say was I loved whenever, um, I think it was Lisa who shared that, um, the prayer times, uh, I wanted to, to, to say two things about that. One was that St. Teresa of Avila talks about recollecting yourself And I talked about this last week and just kind of seeing God in the castle. The king is in the castle inside of you. And if you just pause for a second and picture him there, prostrate yourself, do whatever you do to reverence God. 
you have already recollected yourself in the Lord's presence. So whether that is every once in a while, like uh, they were talking about, you know, between things at work or whatever, you know, you can just recollect yourself and know that God is with you in this next thing. And so I've been trying to do that as I read that everything like y'all, everything I read, I'm trying to see, okay, how can I put that into my life? And it has really been working. So I just wanted to share those few things. And, um, oh, the last thing is, Kindness, kindness to other people and intentionally being kind. I mean, I have it as a as a goal that every day I'm going to do one thing intentionally. Oh, I'm going to be kind to my kids all the time. Like I'm going to go do the get them a glass of water. I'm going to do this. that. that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what I normally do. I'm talking about I'm going to make one intentional act of kindness to somebody. If I know somebody's sick, I'm going to text them and see what's going on, or I'll send uh, some coloring sheets. I'm sharing my color book with my grandchildren. I'm sending some coloring sheets to them and asking them to have a fun summer. So anyway, those are just a few other comments that I had. And thank you so much for all the good discussion. I'm done. Thank you so much, Belinda. Um, You always share such great things. So thank you for being on stage and for closing out our discussion. Wow. Um, I could feel like we could talk about this forever, but this will be the last week that we discuss work-life balance. But um, thank you for all of you who uh, came to the stage and shared or uh, listened in in the audience. Um, All of you play such um, an important part of this room every week. So thank you so much for being here. As always, um, I share a summary of the room at the end. So I'm going to do so now. So uh, let's talk about how Kevin started us off in the room. He uh, shared about this disconnect that happens without starting the day in prayer. Um, And I think, Kevin, you are not alone in that. And we uh, all have some sort of idea of what that feels like because we've all done it before. And I know I admitted on here that I'm in a season um, personally of of that. So, um, very important to that. We identify these disconnects and take those small steps, which we talked a lot about today towards, um, achieving this, this balance, um, as, uh, Catholics striving for that work-life balance. Um, Kevin, you also shared that, uh, practice of setting a three minute timer or, you know, a short timer to just literally stop and be in silence or stop and pray or stop and just listen to God. Um, that's a very powerful, uh, practice. So thank you for sharing that with the group. Um, and Kevin, you also shared about micro moments. I love that, uh, word and that phrase that we can all, uh, probably cling to as we strive to think about our day broken down into those smaller pieces. How can we make the, each of those pieces powerful? Um, Claire didn't speak, but she shared a lot of awesome stuff that I want to make sure I recount. Um, Routine helps with structuring prayer life. Um, She does the litany of trust before bed, which has been really powerful for her. Um, If she doesn't put God first and foremost in her life, anxiety increases. And there's that um, increase in temptation to sin because um, being further away from God in those moments. Um, Simplifying. uh, Hiding or deleting apps on your phone screen. Belinda, you just talked about this too. Um, about, uh, that like visual clutter, like just get rid of it. 
get it makes it easier to avoid those things that are sometimes unnecessary. Um, schedule in the Angelus or the Chaplet of Divine Mercy throughout your day. Pray small prayers like Saint Joseph, help me out. <laughs> Pray scripture while you drink your coffee in the morning. If that's a sacred time or a sacred routine for you, is having a cup of coffee, pair it with scripture. Um, even talk to your bosses and tell them that you're scheduling in daily mass um, if that works for your kind of work schedule. Um, great things that you shared, Claire. Um, JP shared the phone zone um, that he has in his household. So powerful. It's where you leave your phones in one place. And if you need to use them, that's where you go to use them. And you don't carry them around with you every single place you go in the house. Love that. Um, Lisa shared a lot of awesome things too. One of the things, um, she shared is like, don't look at any of your notifications on your phone until after you've prayed. Um, as the first thing that you start your day with is prayer. Um, listen to the rosary in your car on the way to work. That's still a form of prayer. God is okay with that. Like you not like maybe actively holding the beads because obviously you're driving, but you're still praying through that rosary. So powerful. We talked a lot about boundaries and Kevin, um, you said that phrase, like I am not their savior. So true. Hard lesson that we all have to learn, but yet a good one. Um, Kevin, you shared that question of the, these reflection questions, which are so great. How am I filling my time and refreshing myself? And how often do we pass over the concept of joy? Um, and this is talking more so about leisure and holy leisure. So thanks for sharing that. Something that we can all reflect on this week, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Belinda, you concluded us with awesome things as per usual. Um, you shared that um, that you can't do something if you don't have the ability or the resources to do it. I love that example of like you have your coloring um, book and your coloring pencils and your those things like near you or by you or easily accessible so that you will do it. I love that. Um, you talked about doing anything that we can to reduce visual clutter and intentionally be kind. All wonderful things. Like I said, this conversation was amazing as per usual. So thank you all for being here. Um, next week, our topic is going to be holiness in ordinary life. Um, so please join us for that. Um, also, please follow Christopher and I here on Clubhouse, and I also invite you to keep the conversation going in our Telegram group. I mentioned that earlier. Um, it's just a group chat that we have specifically for this room to continue the conversation each week. Um, you can find the direct link for that in my profile or Christopher's profile. Also, don't forget to join the Catholic Professionals Club here on Clubhouse. That is the room, I mean, excuse me, the club that we run our rooms through. So please join that club and join us live on Clubhouse Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And if you liked what you heard today, listen to it again or share it through our weekly podcast. You can find it on all platforms. Just look for Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. Remember, this is an invitation to step into the leadership role that God has for you in civil society. Why? Because if not now, when? If not us, who? Thank you all again so much. God bless, and I hope to see you back next week.